Welcome to Winning Is Not Everything, where we bring sanity back to youth sports by focusing on character development, effort, and sportsmanship, not rankings and trophies. I'm your host, Sean Jensen, former NFL reporter, children's book author, and youth sports coach. Today, we've got part two of our conversation with three-time Olympian Kara Winger on a devastating injury that came at a very cruel time. Let's get to it. It's often said that sports are a microcosm of life, and both are full of curveballs and unexpected twists. Carol Winger, a three-time Olympian in Javelin, had adjusted to COVID. Her husband Russ, who'd been an elite thrower himself, connected a 30-foot cable from their back fence to a hook on the rear of their house, running it through a metal tube to replicate the proper Javelin throwing motion. But USA Track and Field canceled an event for last summer, so she and some others were able to help inspire the Ironwood Throwers Center in Idaho, a showcase event for August. Her efforts were validated right away with her opening throw landing at 211 feet 5 inches. It was the sixth longest throw in the world that year. But on her final attempt, she felt a sensation in her left knee, recalling something similar from eight years before. Her instincts were confirmed a few days later when she learned that she needed surgery to repair the damage. It is natural and normal to be disappointed and even devastated upon learning such news. Winger, who's 34, was in great form, placing fifth in the javelin at the 2019 World Championships. Her plan was moving along nicely, compete and shine at the 2021 Tokyo Olympics, keep training, then retire after the 2022 World Championships in Oregon. So what did Kara do? Well, you'll have to listen to find out. I want to shift a little bit to some other things that I really admire about you as an athlete. I mean, I, I think about the fact that last year, I mean, you were in just phenomenal form, right? Things were going really well and you have the sixth best throw in the world and then you tear your ACL and watching that video of you sharing that news and then just what you've done in the month since, working hard, the positivity, you know, what allows you to have that kind of perspective and mindset and to have the cruel twist of being at the top of your game and then having that serious injury to kind of set you back. Yeah, it's hard. A lot of a lot of people ask this positivity question and I I want to be really honest about it so that's like mm. a reason that I made kind of this reveal video and wanted to show the actual emotions that were going on but you know, if I had taken video of me like crying at my hardest in the kind of days after the injury, it would have <laughs> it would have been a lot harder to watch, I promise. Yeah. Um, so this was my second ACL tear in the same mm -hmm. knee. This is my second right. career injury of the same kind, same mechanism of injury, throwing the javelin at the block, your knee goes inward instead of straight forward or out. And because it's my second ACL tear, I was absolutely devastated just destroyed focusing on how horrible, like how difficult it was the first time to like get through the injury. And very quickly, not until after surgery did I really know like how much better it was going to be, but just having the stability in my personal life that I do versus 2012, um, the mm. first time that I tore it was a massive difference because 
when I first called Russ, my husband, uh, and I told him what happened or I told him what I was afraid had happened because I didn't quite know yet. Hmm. He just said, Kara, either way, it's going to be okay. And I was like, you know, just cried harder because that's like the perfect message because he's absolutely right. Like winning is not everything and going to the Olympics is not everything, especially for a fourth time. Like if I don't get to go, that's okay. I've done so many things that I'm proud of and I've seen so many things that are so cool and so worth any pain or any discomfort or any like, you know, long lasting effects to experience and and gather the friendships that I have and all that stuff. Mm. And so the positivity that you see is really just shock at how much better this process is than the first one. (laughs) And that comes from the phenomenal physical therapist that I have, the sports med team at the Colorado Springs Olympic and Paralympic Training Center is just the best. And this is where I did the bulk of my first recovery as well. So to walk back into that sports med clinic after not being there all summer because of COVID And for them to already know what my injury was and know how I did it eight years ago was so comforting and supportive, even though I was like freshly devastated seeing the same faces being disappointed for me that this had happened again. So it's really just the coolest like feeling of community rallying around me. Mm -hmm. And I can't help but to like give my all in rehab every day because I know how many people like believe that I can do it, but also just like enjoy being part of the journey so yeah positivity is making a plan seeing the little victories like every single day Mm -hmm. and allowing that to spur you forward and before you know it you're four and a half months post-op and running on a treadmill again and it's just it's mind-blowing with the progress in rehab Next summer is very real, right? I mean, honestly, Kara, isn't it very realistic for you to continue to go to your fourth Olympics? It is reasonable. And I I can't even, I can't believe it. Like I can't, I I told my strength coach uh, yesterday, I said, I oscillate violently between feeling like I have all the time in the world and no time at all. Um, Because some days, you know, the vast majority of days I feel phenomenal and it's absolutely within my reach to like do the best that I've ever done at the Olympics. Because I have so much more and better and more applicable experience like at those international meets now than I did even in 2016. And just why not be the best that I can be? Like, that's all that matters. I also just love, you know, the idea of not going for me is more about missing out on the community part of it. And like, that's honestly what I was so devastated about originally is that I just love it. It's just so fun to like be in this international community of women that like all have the same thing in common. And then to expand that to like female athletes in general, all of my friends that I get to like travel the world with and just do this really weird sports thing that we do. It's just, it's a blast. And I have absolutely enjoyed it for just that aspect in the past couple of years, especially. And that's what I want to keep doing for the time period that I have set out for myself to do it in. Uh, but to have that potentially ripped away was the the hardest part, honestly. Yeah. Like physically, I can do this in whatever time period I want to, but yeah. emotionally and like mentally, it's just been so fun that I want to do it again. Like I want to yeah. keep doing it. 
One of the things that I try to provide for my young listeners, you know, the athletes who have these big dreams, you know, to, to someday be an Olympian, to someday be an NFL player, to someday be an NBA player, whatever it is, these big mighty dreams. I also think that we as adults have a tendency to glamorize things. And you are already a three-time Olympian, which is absolutely incredible. But could you just share some of the realness of the challenges and sacrifices that you've had to make? Because again, it hasn't been glamorous, right? I mean, it's not like it's been an easy road. I'm sure you've had many opportunities to maybe go in a different direction that could have been more profitable or that could have been safer. I've been very lucky. Like I never thought that I would make a living as a javelin thrower. Like that's just not something you ever hear about. Uh, I didn't even, it was the last sport that I tried, right? Like I didn't throw the javelin until my freshman year of high school, but here we are more than half my life later and I'm still doing it. And it's just wild. Yeah. I, I had good sponsorships for a long time. And then suddenly I did not at all. And, uh, that was quite a shock, but in terms of like glamorizing stuff, the very unglamorous part of being a sponsored athlete, uh, you know, as a javelin thrower, the contract I had was really good, but it wasn't good compared to what a lot of other track and field athletes in the world make. So for me, the unglamorous part of surviving and really thriving as a javelin thrower was saving that money. So that when all of that sponsorship went away, I was still okay and I could still keep pursuing the stream on a stricter budget because the kind of end date and zero funding, you you have to, you know, spend as little as you can to make the dreams like last as long as you can. And that was just a really a big shift in not necessarily lifestyle, but just mindset about, you know, why I was doing what I was doing and how I could mm. continue to make it happen. Yeah. But that really started with like being realistic from the get-go that this isn't always going to be here. So I must like be practical about how I'm going to protect this money so that I can be here for a really long time. Other stuff that's really not glamorous is traveling completely alone. <laughs> as an individual track and field athlete, you know, some other individual sports like do travel as a team, but track and field is like so diverse, which I love about it. There are smatterings of events like all over the world all summer. And as an individual athlete with maybe an agent that has connections at certain meets and stuff like that, like you kind of just go wherever you have an opportunity to go. And that turns into like a dorm room in Prague with zero internet and, you know, no air conditioning in the middle of the summer when maybe like your neck hurts from flying for 14 hours and you're just by yourself, like doing, you know, this really cool thing, but in a really weird way, like that can feel really lonely. Mm-hmm. And I've really learned to, to love it and embrace it and be willing to kind of get way out of my comfort zone and just wander around and see the actual world by myself. But it's this this thing that just doesn't feel glamorous at all yeah. when you're doing it because you're just all alone. How do you travel with a javelin, by the way? Like, what is, could you tell me what the process is like? Because I would imagine that could be viewed as a weapon, possibly. Yeah, uh, people don't know what it is. Usually they're like, oh, fishing poles. <laughs> um, because <laughs> it's like a, a big, long like seven and a half, eight foot long tube. Mine is padded and purple and it says my name on the side and there are handles in the middle and it's a really great like bag to transport the javelin so that they don't get damaged unless they're run over or something at the airport, which happens. 
terribly. But yeah, it's a giant tube. It's a it's a checked bag. You cannot carry it on. The problem comes when you have trains between countries instead of flights and you have to get them on the train with all of your other luggage. Uh, sometimes the compartments that hold bags above the train seats aren't continuous. Like they have the little dividers. So you either have to put it on the floor, which they don't like for, you know, egress reasons or like lean it in the lobby kind of area where you get on the train and then like sit by it the whole time. Uh, so it's it's kind of quite a challenge. But over the years, I've really perfected my packing uh, strategy because you can check the javelins and a suitcase and then I carry a backpack and a duffel bag. Yeah. But yeah. taking all of your clothes for like two months in one suitcase because you can't really pack anything in the javelin bag is is challenging. So yeah. another unglamorous travel thing by yourself is finding laundry in foreign countries and figuring out how to pay for it, where the laundry soap is and recycling your clothes on an endless loop. I loved seeing like the pictures of how you and your husband set up new ways for you to train at home because you can't go to your usual facilities and things. But what have you learned about yourself during the pandemic? The pandemic was a really great opportunity to prove to myself that what I had been saying was true which is, I just want to see how good I can be. I just love the process and training for the sake of training and throwing the javelin. Like it's not about results in a competition. It's about like my journey. And I had said that, you know, to, to tour groups and in speeches and to random strangers that I meet that figure out what I do and kids and stuff like that. And then to, you know, learn that that was actually true, that I really just loved training in whatever capacity I could train in, mostly my backyard, was really fun and uh, a rewarding way, you know, to know that the spark is still alive. And clearly it was working because again, you absolutely shined right at your last competition. Yeah. And I, I think Part of the reason is that my nutrition was much more consistent than it really ever is when I'm like driving around town and rushing kind of from place to place and like filling a bunch of roles that I didn't get to because of the pandemic and being stuck at home. So going to the grocery store once a week and making sure like meals were planned out isn't something that I would normally do, but I didn't want to go to the grocery store more often than that for, for safety, for health, for the community. And then I was just home and had the time to like cook the meals and have good leftovers for lunch and like eat within a half hour of a training session. And it was all just really great. I've always been a homebody. So mm -hmm. I loved being able to like get all of this work done on this little plot of land. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Winning Is Not Everything. Please make sure to like the podcast and subscribe to the podcast so you can get part three of my talk with Kara as soon as it's available. Don't forget, you can win a signed and personalized copy of one of my Middle School Rules books or a free gratitude training session for model student-athlete. Here's how. Go to my website, seankjensen.com, and visit the contact page where you can leave me a voice recording. I want you to tell me your first name, your age, where you're from, and who your favorite coach is, and why that person is your favorite. Some of your responses could be aired on a future episode of this podcast. 
Winning is not everything, but the three H's to be a real hero in life are hustle, humility, and heart. I'm your host, Sean Jensen, and we'll see you next time.